0: Well, today we're continuing our series called Unsubscribe during which we are challenging ourselves to take a hard look at our own lives and the habits or attachments that we have in order to ask the question, what do I need to unsubscribe from in order to subscribe to more of a life with Jesus? Oftentimes unsubscribing to subscribe means we're turning from one thing to turn towards something else. In the first week, Cheryl talked to us there and invited us to turn from a life of distractions and to a life of being present. And last week, Eugene shared how Jesus invites us to bring our cares to him as we shift from a life of overwhelm to a life of rest. Now this week, we're going to look at how can we turn from a life of this endless pursuit of more in order to turn towards a life of enough. One time, John oil, or oil tycoon John Rockefeller, widely considered the richest American of all time, I, yeah, okay, do I mean start from the top or just okay? One day, oil tycoon John Rockefeller, widely considered the richest American of all time, was asked, "John, how much money is enough?" And he simply responded, "Just a little bit more." Now, couldn't that be the motto of our culture? In 2020, my wife and I placed 117 orders on Amazon. In a year where we hardly left the home, we, two people, no kids, no pets, averaged buying something new on Amazon every three days. You know, apparently I'm not the only one because back in July, Amazon reported that they had doubled their net profit from the same time in 2019. And sure, this could be attributed to shopping being the safest way to shop or online shopping being the safest way to shop. But I also bet it has a little bit to do with restlessness that we experience in our lives, thinking there's always something more that could be done to my home, or there's always something more that I could add to my life. Or my favorite, the shelter in place impulse buy. You know, that thing that you didn't really need, but you're sitting at home all the time and you think, maybe if I had this, life would be a little bit better. Here are some of the items that had unusually high searches in Amazon over the past year. We had puzzles and paint by numbers for adults. We had UV phone cleaners and we had bidets and the list could go on and on. Now my favorite impulse buy, easy. An under the desk elliptical to bring some fitness into my daily emails. If you've made some strange shelter in place impulse buys, let us know what they are in the chat. Even in a year as hard as the pandemic, this drive for more just keeps on going. How much would be enough to be content? Just a little bit more. I think about this, like if I just had a little bit more then I could buy that TV and then that would be enough. If only I had a little bit more likes or views on Instagrams or followers, that would be enough. If only I had a little bit more time in order to exercise, maybe that would be enough. Or maybe if only I had a little bit more hours in the day to spend time with my family or my neighbors or my friends, that would be enough. And you know, this mystical idea of enough is just out of reach. So we engage in this endless pursuit of more, committing to more and more, managing more and more, just a little bit more, and that'll be enough. In his book, The Progress Paradox, author Greg Easterbrook says this. He says, since the 1950s, the typical person's real income has more than doubled. However, the percentage of Americans who describe themselves as happy has not budged. We're getting more, but it's still not enough. And you know, if this is feeling a little too close to home right now, I want you to know you are not alone. In the midst of this pursuit, Jesus offers us another way, a better way, a way that allows us to stop this race for more and to actually live a life of fullness and enough and it can be introduced with the practice of simplicity. Now, when you hear the term simplicity, what comes to mind? Maybe you think about people like St. Francis of Assisi who saw the emptiness of the worldly life and decided I'm gonna get rid of all my possessions in order to live a life of poverty. Or maybe you know people who have modified a van to live life on the road or maybe down by the river. In the 2000s, there was a reality TV show called The Simple Life in which two wealthy heiresses left their lives of luxury to experience the simple life on a farm for five whole weeks. Simplicity is about going from having a lot to having very little, right? Well, maybe. Author, and you could say professional minimalist, Joshua Becker defines simplicity or minimalism as the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of anything that distracts us from them. It's the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of anything that distracts us from them. You see, simplicity is first about saying yes to what really matters and then no to the stuff in our lives that pull us away. So what is this stuff that I'm talking about? Well, first and most obvious is our material possessions, because the more you have, the more your thoughts are gonna be drawn to different things in your life. And as we'll see later, Jesus spoke very strongly against materialism and spoke very strongly against those who pursued money. But hear this, Someone can have very few material possessions, but still not have a heart posture or live a life of simplicity. Simplicity is about so much more than what we own because that stuff can also include our time and what fills our schedules. That stuff could include unhealthy relationships. That stuff can take a wide variety of forms. Now, for the sake of our conversation, I'm gonna define stuff as being anything that pulls us away from the intentional promotion of the things we most value. But now before we can identify what that stuff is for us, we need to look inward at what we actually value and what is actually in our hearts. And lucky for us, Jesus has a lot to say about our hearts. And one day, Jesus was sitting on a hill with a bunch of his followers and he talked with them about this in the Sermon on the Mount. I wanna invite you to follow along in your Bibles or in your Bible app at home as we look at Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 19. Jesus says this, he says, "'Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth "'where moths and vermin destroy "'and where thieves break in and steal.'" The literal translation of this would say, do not treasure treasures on earth. Jesus is talking about the stuff that you place value in. Do not treasure things that do not last. It doesn't matter how safe of a place or how safe something might feel in the moment, life happens. I mean, we all know that most things in life are temporary. You drop your phone on a rock or really just get a new operating system and you might need a new one. That promotion high was so good for the time, but that eventually wears off. That championship trophy was so great. Well, until next season. But instead, Jesus says this. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. He's saying treasure things that are imperishable, Now notice he doesn't remove our desire for stuff, but instead Jesus redirects it to what really matters. Now in general, when Jesus talks about heaven, he's often not just talking about life after you die. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God as being something that affects life now and for all eternity. So he's saying, focus on living a life that makes a difference in the world around you with the things that are imperishable, like sharing joy or spreading generosity. Treasure these things. And then Jesus concludes this section by saying this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you treasure? What do you most value? If you aren't sure what that is, you could ask yourself, what do I make time for? Or what does my family prioritize? Remember, simplicity is the intentional promotion of what we most value or what we treasure and the removal of what distracts us from it. Now, Jesus later goes on to say this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will despise the one or you will be devoted to one or despise the other. Now, in case Jesus isn't being clear enough, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Whoa, that's a strong statement that I think for many of us should make us pause. You see, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush when it comes to the dangers of wealth. Notice he doesn't say, you know, you should not serve God and money or it's hard to serve God and money, or it's hard to balance the two. He says, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and stuff. Well, what does Jesus mean by that? And maybe this will help um, give us a little picture of it. A couple of weeks ago, Cheryl mentioned that the average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Now, no wonder UV phone cleaner sales went through the roof this year. And full confession, that's me. Do you know who isn't always a fan of my phone? My wife. And why? Well, when I pay attention to my phone, who am I not paying attention to? Well, Taylor. Even if I'm a multitasking pro, which I believe I am, if my focus is on my phone, I cannot also be fully focused on Taylor. When it comes to our stuff and God, both cannot take your full focus because they both have different goals. You see, money says, you need to get more. But Jesus says, give more. Money says, the more you have, the more secure you're gonna be. Jesus says, trust me and I'll take care of you. Now it's at this point where Jesus teaching and the Christian practice of simplicity begin to come together. See, simplicity is asking the question, do you trust Jesus enough to intentionally promote the things that Jesus values and remove anything that distracts you from it? Do you trust Jesus enough? You know, when I think about my life, I think, of course I do. I mean, I'm a Christian. Even more, I'm a pastor, I'm a professional Christian. But then I think about my schedule or really the many hours after work spent focusing on work, thinking, I just need to do a little bit more. And then I hear Jesus asking, do you trust that if you constantly stop pursuing more in order to spend time pouring into relationships or in order to spend time with me, that I'll be enough? Or I think about how content I am with what I have and I hear Jesus ask, do you trust that if I ask you to live with less in order to love your community better, then I'll be enough for you? When I take time to think about these things, the what ifs begin to come into play. What if something happens and I can no longer have the money to take care of it? But Jesus says, do you trust me to be enough? What if someone needs me? do you trust me to be enough? What if fill in the blank? As Jesus's followers were listening to him teach on the hill that day, I imagine the what if spinning through their minds as well. And Jesus picking up on it, asked him to look up. And he says, therefore, do not worry about your life. Or you could say, do not be consumed by your life. What you will eat, what you drink, or your body and what you will wear, is not life so much more than food and your body so much more than clothes? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And then he says, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today, and it's thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. They're always searching for more, but your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. You see, Jesus shifts their minds from thinking about themselves to thinking about who God is and just as important, who they are to God are you not much more valuable than these birds, than these flowers? And if God is doing this for them, how much more do you think God, the one who created you will do for you? And then Jesus says this key sentence to bring it home. And Pastor Tony Evans says, if you get this one right, everything else just falls into place. And he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If you seek me first, if you trust me to be enough, you will find that you have more fulfillment than anything that more money can provide. You'll have more joy than getting more likes or views can provide. You'll have more peace in everyday life than that vacation home can provide. You'll have more purpose and life in the constant pursuit of more could ever provide. Because when you seek first God's kingdom, what you find is the God who gave his life so that you can have true abundant life with him. And that life is so much more than enough. But now, how do we actually apply this to our lives? Let's get real practical here. Theologian Richard Foster says, simplicity is an inward reality that shapes an outward lifestyle. And so the first step is that we have to look inward and to ask the question, what am I seeking? You know, oftentimes our first thought is to start looking at all of this stuff in our life and think, okay, what do I need to throw out? What do I need to get rid of? But if we do that before actually looking inward, we run the risk of falling into the same habits over time. But we need to understand what does Jesus ask us to value and to let his spirit begin working in our hearts. Be intentional about spending time with Jesus every day and praying, Jesus, open my eyes to the places in my life where I am seeking more over seeking your kingdom. Now, along with that, for accountability purposes, I wanna challenge you to have an honest conversation with someone close to you or even your entire family. Look at your calendar, look at your spending habits, look at uh, even the stuff in your home and ask, what does this say about what I value or what I'm seeking after? Now, once you can name that. It's time to move to the next part. And the second thing to ask is, how can I create space for more of Jesus? What do I do with all this stuff that I have? And I would suggest starting to do this by focusing on two different areas of life. The first is your time. Pull out a calendar and write down everything that is part of your family's normal week. And then eliminate two to three things a week that you are gonna stop doing in order to say yes to spending more time with Jesus, spending more time as a family or intentionally pouring into relationships or your community. And then the second place, it's your stuff. Pick a room in your home or maybe go to that cabinet or that closet. You know, the one that nobody you want, don't want anybody to see and begin marking items in there as things to keep, things to give away or things to throw out. And once you've done that, consider moving to a new place in your home. Now, this may seem like a small practice right now, but if you start to get in the habit of living with less over time, you will begin to open yourself up to more time and more mental space in order to say yes to the things that Jesus values and the life that seeks first God's kingdom. Now, you know, it's one thing, to learn about a life of simplicity. It's another thing to actually live it out. So right now we're gonna have a brief conversation with some of our staff members to learn what they have learned or experienced on their journey with simplicity. Well, we're here with some of our staff members. as like I said, we're going to talk sort of about the practical applications of what simplicity looks like, because we all know that it's easy to think about it. It's so much harder to actually live it out. And so I kind of want to just start with hearing from you like, what has your own personal journey been like with simplicity? Yeah,
1: well, a couple years ago for Lent, I decided to give up buying things for myself. And I ended up preparing myself for this by literally looking at the things I would run out of, like shampoo or soap and buying those things beforehand. So that in those 40 days or so of Lent that I wouldn't buy any of those things for myself and instead would look at the people around me and decide who can I be generous to instead of buying something for myself. And I ended up doing this, I think, three years in a row. And then this year for my New Year's resolution or goal, I ended up in December kind of opening this drawer in my kitchen where my coffee is and seeing all of these coffee grounds that I just wasn't using and instead I was still buying coffee grounds every single week just because I didn't like the coffee in my drawer quite as much as the coffee I was buying every week and decided that for this new year instead of buying things I was going to empty the things that I already had. So I was going to go through that whole drawer of coffee that I didn't like quite as much before buying new coffee. And then applied this to the unread books on my bookshelf that I would just see a book come out that I wanted to read and then buy it. And then it would sit on my shelf. So that practice of Lent that I did a few years in a row ended up just being something that I tried to put into practice going forward
0: as you've been thinking about this stuff for yourself, what have you been learning about a life with Jesus in the process or what even living with less has done for your own life?
2: I feel like I am able to be more generous when I have a proper view, like of my possessions and my time. Um, and I think it, it's so hard, even like you are saying, with the culture that we live in, with uh, Amazon Prime, that we can get it in two days or less. I don't often live in the land of wanting, because the minute I want something, I purchase it, and I mean, within reason, obviously, but I, I don't often live in that land of, oh, here's the thing that I actually you know, think that I want uh, and let me sit on it for a few days. And so that actually has been a practice that I have tried to, um, to put in over the past few months specifically, especially in COVID, it's so hard because I recognize all these things that I think will make my life better in this really strange season. Um, but actually taking a pause on purchasing and really thinking about, do I actually need this thing? Mm. Is this something that will add value to my life? And I will say a lot of times I end up not making the purchase because the late night scrolling is not the best time for me to decide if I, if it's a good time to spend my money. And I, cause usually late at night, I think, yeah, I totally need more. Let me add more. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that's something I think that I've done over the past few months that's just been helpful in how I'm spending my money and how I'm interacting with even just the things I own.
3: Yeah, I, I can keep going with the kid route. Uh, you know, we were talking about influencers earlier. There are like parents and families that are just famous and it's easy to see them posting pictures of them doing epic vacations on a safari or their kid just learned the third language and they're eight years old. And you just get that that sense of like uh, less the things and more the calendar stuff of like, we need to be doing more, more epic and interestingly, we took our kids to Disneyland pre COVID. And my kids will often talk about this trip. And the thing they talk about is there was a chair in the hotel that would like, uh, you know, s- swing around. And we did races and we played hide and seek in the hotel. And that, more than Disneyland, more than the, you know, anything they got there, they talk about, man, can we go back to that hotel? And can we, like, get on that chair? And I think so what I'm learning is, like, again, that's so much us, is we think it's got to be this big next thing that's going to make me fulfilled finally. Instead realizing it's, like, this moment right here with you guys in this room. It's uh, backyard, listening to the birds. It's all these moments that that Jesus is present. Mm. And those are magic, beautiful moments, but we miss them because we're looking for the next thing we got to put
0: on our calendar. Yeah. And now you can catch this entire conversation this week in our Menlo Midweek. And right now I want to invite you to just prepare your hearts for worship as we sing about who God is and this God who is more than enough for us.